From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, it's Tuesday, the 21st of November, 2023. This is TNT Radio. I'm Rick Munn, Natalie Chiel, Gemma Cooper will be joining me in this upcoming hour for who knows what skullduggery and shenanigans will be discussed along with hopefully our own little unique take on what's going on on planet Earth at the minute. And of course, all you lovely people out there are welcome to stay with us on the good ship TNT as we navigate the turbulent waters of life here this lovely Tuesday morning or Tuesday evening or even maybe it's a Wednesday morning depending what time of the day it is where you are wherever you are in the world and of course whatever you're doing we hope it's nice we are live and of course we are now video streaming so hopefully you're availing of that service if you check our website which is tntradio.live there is a little box that has been inserted around halfway down the home page where you can just uh, watch uh, via a YouTube link uh, you can go through to that leave comments on the YouTube link on all the major streaming platforms if you search for TNT radio you'll be able to see us on there as well. And of course, you can listen in on our app, which is available on the App Store and of course, the Google Play Store. Uh, Download it onto your listening device of choice and you can remain connected with us either audio-wise or visually. The choice is yours because we like to try and give people choice here at TNT Radio. And of course, if you've missed any shows that have been broadcast over the last few days, weeks, or even months, or even years, you can go back and browse our extensive back catalog that's available on the TNT website and also, of course, on all the major streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. So we are doing our level best uh, in our quest for world domination. The WEF, of course, has Agenda 2030. TNT Radio has Agenda 2025. Well, they don't actually, but I kind of do. I want to see us taking over the world by 2025, and we can't do it. But we need your help to do that also. So this is a little bit of a promo stint here. If you haven't already done so, and I know many of you lovely people out there in the live chat have, uh, be active and be proactive when it comes to the promotion of TNT. Uh, We've got a legion of uh, people out there that are listening to us, which is fantastic. And if everybody tells everybody else to tune into TNT, I know it sounds cheesy and corny and the mathematics are very simple, but we could double our listenership overnight. And of course, if we keep doing that and we extrapolate that down another 12 months from now, who knows where we will be at. So we really appreciate all your support and the live chat, the lovely messages that you send. And of course, you've been with us, many of you have been with us since day one, but we need also to get the word out there and get the word spread, whether that be word of mouth, or if you use a social media platform, some of you use Facebook, some of you use uh, Twitter or the X program or Instagram, whatever it happens to be, just give a little shout out to TNT. And of course you can leave links to the shows that we have. You can just copy the link from our website or copy the link from Podbean or Spotify and send it, send it to your WhatsApp group and tell them, listen, check out this new radio station, check out this new show, check out this presenter, check out this interview, check out this guest. And that's how it works, people. Just word of mouth. I don't know if any of you can remember back in the days before uh, CDs even, (laughs) there was a thing called cassette tapes. And back in the day, the underground music scene used to spread a lot by tape trading, where people would literally put classified ads in uh, music magazines and send them 
each other underground uh, bootleg tapes. And of course, we don't advocate for piracy here. But what I'm trying to say is uh, they were spreading the word uh, through word of mouth, through letters, through communicating with each other. So that's what we want to try and aim and do here on TNT Radio. We just want to grow. We just want to grow and we want to try and expose people to the truth. So that's by way of introduction. Uh, I've said enough as per right now. Gemma and Natalie are waiting. Dive into the fray here, so don't go away. This is TNT Radio. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Morning to uh, the lovely ladies here this morning, all looking very uh, good and well. I have a question for both of you uh, before we dive into Gemma's story here. Uh, This is a headline that I saw this morning on Gripped Media, which is a really good source of information for Ireland-based news. Uh, Jonathan Van Maren says, cruelty to women cloaked as compassion to transgender people. And the reason for this story is, he said, as of March this year, as of March 2023, nine biological men have won Women of the Year awards. So I'm talking to uh, two ladies this morning. I'm a man. Uh, If the three of us entered into a competition that was women only, number one, uh, I would be allowed to enter it if I simply identified as a woman. And number two, there's a very good chance I could beat both of you to be woman of the year, even though I'm a man. That's the age in which we're living here in 2023. Is this uh, much ado about nothing? Why are there not women entering man of the year award competitions why does it always seem to be a one-way traffic towards men trying to get in among the ladies why do you think that is but we're on video now rick we can try it one day we can uh, we can see what the viewers think uh rick can take off his beard put on a wig put on a bit of makeup and then we can do a little bit of a poll and see what everybody thinks who's the best woman uh but in all seriousness um it's exceptionally insulting isn't it Gemma? uh that that men can suddenly come forward one day and self-identify as being a woman and uh, suddenly they understand exactly what it's like to be us yeah um i mean the lived experience of being a woman being raised as a girl uh, i think it's uh, fair to say that uh, due to the way we're made up hormonally until we're a certain age and the hormone starts uh, shifting we're, we're primed to please estrogen the hormone we're born with <clears throat> when we when it kicks in at puberty you know we are conditioned as women to to please others and put other people before ourselves it's it's how the world runs you know if women didn't sort everything out you know run the home and you know the bulk of the caring the bulk of the caring in society generally falls to women and we're hormonally primed until we're in our late 40s early 50s to do that now that's a very different lived experience to to how men are raised men are raised to to generally put themselves at the forefront now i'm not criticizing the way that we are conditioned in that way but it is a very different experience it is different um sometimes i think though the amount of men who want to identify as women is a backhanded compliment to women as well because i think that a lot of men are conditioned to keep their sensitive side their caring side their nurturing side their feminine qualities right down at the bottom of what it means to be a man you know and these qualities are the qualities that they need to be expressed for for, for healthy psychological health you know uh, for robust psychological health but men are encouraged to put those qualities to one side then if you want to identify as a woman you can allow those qualities to come to the fore and you can be a, a holistic human you know with your male and your female in balance we're not encouraged to do that in our society at all so you know I, I keep a close eye on it and i say it a lot on this show you know it's a war on women but also i think a lot of men are like 
they, they, they aren't allowed to be the real who they are. So identifying as a woman allows those characteristics to come out, allows them to be expressed because they are nice things to have too. So it's a, it's complex, this issue. It is very complex indeed. But the people that are disadvantaged through it are, are unfortunately at the moment women. We, we lose out. We lose out and we have um, space that we've fought so hard to get. We've been suppressed for millennia. We've only just got our rights really in the last few decades, you know, now it's being encroached on. That is bad news for us. And mm. also also just quickly before we go to the story to point out that there are also uh, bad motives as well. Uh, the ones taking advantage to get ahead in sport, of course, and also the autogenophilic uh, kind of men who kind of get a kick out of dressing as women as well. So, you know, there are genuine cases, um, but there are, is the eradication of women um, and also uh, those who are taking advantage as well. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it, there's a spectrum of people's behaviors and there's a spectrum of the way men and women act. Some uh, girls are a little bit more tomboy-esque uh, in their growing up. I think, not like you've said that a few times yeah, when you were growing I up, you're was. a little bit of a tomboy, but you're still 100% woman. And uh, I'm not going to say I was a little bit of a girly when I was growing up and I'm 100% man. But what I mean is there are some guys that are like super aggressive and full on and in your face. And there's other guys who are more quiet and compassionate. They have a better listening ear. They have more subtle character characteristics about them, which is fantastic. Everybody has a range of personalities in this world, which is what makes the world go round. A little bit of variety is the spice of life. But in this case, of course, we're talking about actual men winning women's competitions, which is a slap in the face for women. And of course, uh, you know, there's also maybe ulterior motives in there as well, which may not be competitive in nature, uh, let's just say. But just something uh, I thought was interesting here this morning, that nine men have won women's competitions so far or up to March this year. I don't know what the figure will be by year end. Now, Gemma, uh, we'll have a story here about, uh, well, uh, voices should self-should self, supermarket self-checkouts be ditched? Independent researchers give their verdict. I was out somewhere last night, quite late at night, which is when I do my shopping. And thankfully, they actually had humans on the till, which was a shocker, because normally they close them all down after about nine o'clock at night, and you're forced like cattle through these self-service checkouts. But this place in particular had two humans on the tills right at closing time, which gave me a little bit of a, a boost. I must say, I went and had a chat with them before I went home. What's the, what's the verdict on this research? Well, it's research that's been carried out here in the UK uh, as a result of a, a supermarket in the north of England, a quite high-end supermarket, completely almost ditched all self-service checkouts. Uh, out of the 28 it had, it, it, it went all 26 back to humans and kept only two self-service as a response to customer feedback. So it listened to the people who were spending considerable amounts of money. It's quite a posh supermarket. So um, a mainstream media outlet decided to do a survey and it's a loose survey, you know, it's opinion based, but I thought, well, let's do a litmus test of what people actually think, because we know what we think here on TNT about self-service and about tech and about facial recognition that you get at these self-service checkouts. We take a particular editorial stance and possibly uh, our listeners do too. So we thought, I thought we'd just take a look at some of the range of opinions that were canvassed in this survey uh, and bring it up for debate between us and in the chat as well. So um, it, I, I was hopefully it would be a 50-50 split and, um, and, it, and there is a split but unfortunately, it does seem to rather be that a lot of people are in favor of the, the robotic side of things, the self-service. A lot of people say they have social anxiety in this survey, and a couple of people say they've got um, autism, ADHD, and that human interaction is the worst thing in the world. They can't bear dealing with um, 
supermarket cashiers if they're having a bad day. Um, I would argue if you're having a bad day, human interaction is probably better for you than, than with the robot. But that's my personal take on things. Um, a lot of people are not interested in the chit chat. They say that um, it's efficient. Um, there's a couple, though, that say that they are they absolutely despise the things. And um, uh, where are we here? Yeah, I'd rather deal with stuff and these ridiculous machines that are always going wrong. Um, uh, but the best comment came from a, a former supermarket manager, and it was an extensive comment in this survey. And he said that he or she said the debate is oversimplified and that self-service checkouts were trialed first in America and then introduced uh, here to cut costs at a, at a time when shoplifting was much more heavily you know, prosecuted and monitored. Um, and that supermarket profits are so thin. I think that is right. The actual profit is something like between one and 4%. That might even have gone down uh, in recent years. So he said self-service checkouts, they painted themselves into a corner because while they're keeping the cost down, they also have increased shoplifting massively because you can just slip a few items in your bag. You're there. No one can really see what you're doing. The cashier is running around trying to serve six different checkouts at once. And um, this person says they absolutely are not going away. They say checkout free stores is where supermarkets are heading next. So whilst uh, maybe you and I, Rick, I'm not sure what, what Natalie's feelings are about these self-service checkouts, we would probably, I would rather queue for an hour then go to one of those things because I don't like the facial recognition cameras. Why do they need to see what you're buying? Why do they need to see your face? It's a supermarket. It's not an airport. Airports are bad enough. Supermarkets are going the same way. Uh, but it seems that out there in the mainstream, although there are a few dissenting voices saying I prefer humans, a lot of people do prefer to rush through, quick scan, put them in the bag and get out and not talk to humans, which is a quite a depressing finding, I think. Nat, what do you think? Yeah or nay? I absolutely hate them and they started to move into the town centre too so I recently walked into Marks and Spencer tried to go to a till and there are no human beings they're all self-checkout and uh, my children will tell you that um, I, I'm, I'm a very happy jolly person I like going and talking to all the people normally at the checkout uh, but if something goes wrong which it tends to all the time with technology I tend to get very angry and sweary and uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm not very good with technology and uh, they get very embarrassed of me when I start shouting about how rubbish these self-checkouts are and I don't want them in the middle of the supermarket so I was very surprised to hear that other people actually like them as I am certainly not one of them I'll, I'll, you, I'll go for the I'll go for the middle ground in this one this is the way I look at it okay I will not stand for an hour in a supermarket queuing uh to see a human if I can nip out through the self-servers even if they're going to scan my face listen they're going to scan your face through the CCTV anyway they've got these little things in the parking lots that you're you're scanned everywhere however I do feel what they should do is rather than me having to use a self-service till, they should simply put more tills on with more humans on and do away with the self-service stuff completely. So uh, it's a little bit of a middle ground I would stride on it. I, I'm impatient. I like to get in and out of places, especially supermarkets ASAP. So if there's queues down the aisles because uh, there's only a few humans on and I've only usually got a little basket of stuff, maybe sometimes not even a basket. I'm just carrying the stuff in my hand. I want to get the hell out of there as fast as I possibly my little legs will carry me. So therefore, I will nip through those things and I make no apologies about it. But I do think there needs to be more checkouts put on. There needs to be more humans installed instead of more scanning centers installed. But hey, 
what do I know? I'm just uh, somebody with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, so uh, in the meantime, Gemma, thank you very much uh, for bringing those research findings to light. Hopefully we will be reconvening again uh, in the second hour for Locked and Loaded. And in the meantime, uh, we're going to take a short break, short ad break, and Natalie and I shall be back imminently with plenty to discuss on the news frontier in TNT. So please don't go away. TNT Radio's James Freeman. I think at this point now, I'm disgusted that the UK has not called for an immediate ceasefire. The British government is usually quick to condemn many countries around the world for breaking international law. So what is different here? Yes, what Hamas did was terrible. And yes, it needs to be addressed. But whatever Hamas did does not justify the deliberate bombing of civilians because no one can say that it's not deliberate. Um, you can't merely say that civilian deaths in their thousands are acceptable collateral damage. You can never say that, not with these numbers. It is deliberate what is going on. I'm seeing numbers of around 10,000 dead now, including 4,000 children. And that was two days ago those numbers came in. Innocents in all of this, um, they've never voted for this and they have no say whatsoever in any of it. 3,000 people were killed in the 9-11 attacks in the US and the world looked on in horror. And yet 4,000 children have been killed by Israeli bombs and too many dismiss this, saying that Israel has the right to defend itself. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. I'm just going to do a little I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay. We are back. It's uh, open line show. And that actually means the lines are open. There's telephones that we have, good old fashioned telephones that if you should decide to do so, you can give us a call. The numbers are on our website, tntradio.live. Please, whether you're from the UK, from the US or from Australia or anywhere else in the world, for that matter, if you're listening in and you fancy picking up the phone and having a chat with us either about what we're discussing at this point in time or something else that's burning a hole in your heart or that you just want to get off your chest, please feel free 
free to do that. Now, in the meantime, we've plenty to get through here this morning, story-wise. So, Natalie, uh, there was a, a, a discussion topic that we had not so long ago to do with XL bully dogs. They were uh, savaging people here in the UK. Attacks were being reported. There was calls for them to be banned when Suella Braverman uh, was uh, in her post. Her, along with Rishi Sunak, had called for the banning of XL dogs. Now, there seems to have been another spate of dog attacks that's being reported on because, of course, they happen all the time. They've been happening all the time for decades, but now they're taking uh, center stage in the mainstream media. Do you think there's a concerted push at the moment, maybe to have even further clampdowns on certain breeds of dogs to restrict our freedoms to choose which pets that we have uh, in the boundaries of our own home? Uh, what's going on with that one? Yeah, so part of our job here uh, at TNT for Open Line, we have to analyse the news. So every day I'll go through, um, you know, the main places, you know, the Daily Mail, Sky, BBC, uh, like to, to get an idea about what they're pushing because we want to get to the truth. Now, there were weeks they were doing shoplifting, uh, a, a shoplifting story a day, sometimes five a day. It's back to dogs at the moment. I noticed this is free alone yesterday in the Daily Mail um, headlines. Uh, the first one, dog owner uh, reading here, 51 mauled by Dalmatian in savage attack that left him incapacitated and unable to work. By the way, it says graphic images and he had one scratch on his hand uh, that needed a few stitches. The second, a woman is fighting for her life after being savaged by a dog in attack, which also left a man injured. The third, shocking moment, locals turn on police for seizing vicious XL bully dog who mauled a security guard seconds before as its owner is arrested. Now, I'm not saying uh, that some of those weren't serious, but did dog attacks happen all the time? Yes, they did. And why are they suddenly reporting on them? I do wonder um, if licensing laws are something they want to bring in or are there going to be some restrictions um, on owning pets? It, it does seem uh, slightly sinister that suddenly it's being reported on Rick. Yeah, that's what I mean. Dog attacks are nothing new. They've been happening since dogs and humans have been coexisting together on the face of the planet. So that's nothing new. And of course, it's just the reporting on them seems to be very focused at the moment. And notice they're bringing in other breeds because technically it was always the pit bull type dogs were demonized or Rottweilers. You know, you have this image in your head of what a vicious dog is. But, you know, any dog with teeth uh, and a set of jaws, if they sink them into your flesh, whether it be your arm or your leg or your neck or any other part of your body, they're going to cause some damage. And a lot of debate springs up. Is it the breed? Is it the owner? Some breeds are, of course, much more aggressive than others. Uh, when you think about a Labrador or a Golden Retriever, I would say the chances of you being savaged to death by one of those guys is slim to zero. But if you take something like a Pit Bull Terrier, uh, they're naturally more an aggressive dog. And of course, they have a certain uh, stereotype stereotypical owner attached to them, you know, the, the shaven-headed thug. And of course, I'm generalizing here. I'm not saying all uh, pit bull owners are shaven-headed thugs, but what I'm saying is there's stereotypes there, and some of those owners are extremely abusive to the dogs. Uh, they breed them uh, and they breed them to fight and to be super, super aggressive. And then, of course, they don't take care of them responsibly. They don't keep them on a leash when they're out in public or they don't muzzle those dogs. And then all it takes is for one of them to get off or get loose and attack. So 
someone and when they attack it's not pretty it's very very difficult to get those dogs off and the the damage that they can cause is horrendous but i noticed dalmatians uh, got a look in here this morning and one of those stories you know what yeah. next will it be poodles or little jack russells I, I i'm not sure i've been attacked by a dog once in my life and it was a little jack russell I wasn't in danger of being mauled to death, but the little sucker attached himself to my elbow and just would not let go. So, yeah, any dog can attack at any time, but maybe it's a push towards uh, more control, which is usually the government's yeah. modus operandi. And I think that was the thing that I wanted to point out. Three dog stories attacks in one day it is quite something. It normally means part of the narrative or an agenda. Um, I think I've told you before, my dad got attacked uh, by a dog when we were in a park uh, when we were younger. You've said you've seen, uh, been uh, part in the past attacked by a dog. I've seen very, various other uh, times in my life. This has been happening forever. This is not a sudden dogs are suddenly turning you know vicious um that is part of uh, uh what they are but oh. the the reporting does seem to have changed so i do think it's something we need to keep an eye on they already uh obviously put through parliament uh banning the xl bullies but i think that's just the start of it i wonder what's coming next rick yeah, and also it it might be worthwhile, literally for your own uh, protection sake, uh, to just to get some advice or to research what to do if you are approached by a very aggressive dog. Some people wave their arms about and shout and show their teeth, stir the dog down or even run away. These can be uh, triggers that will cause an attack to happen even further. I was out a few nights ago for a walk late at night on my own and there's a huge green. It's pitch black dark. There's no lights and all I heard was this uh, mad growling and sound and I saw these two black shapes hurtling down the green towards me. It was two dogs that had been let off loose. The owner didn't think there was anywhere around and they were hurtling towards towards me super aggressive, but I just kept walking very slowly, didn't make eye contact with them. They ran around me, barked like crazy, and then the owner called them back again. It could have went the other way, but maybe if I'd have started shouting and waving my arms about or even tried to run away, you can't outrun a dog, by the way. And if there's two of them, you have little to no chance of uh, fending them off. So just be calm and understand what to do. Maybe if you're in the unfortunate position that you're attacked by a dog to increase your chances that you'll come away from that encounter uh, with all your body parts intact. So that's just a little bit of TNT advice here this morning for all our lovely listeners, should you be attacked by a mad dog. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got to take a little news break right now. And when we come back, plenty more to discuss. So please don't go away. This is TNT Radio. Now, now, now. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Beijing has cautioned Canberra against making reckless accusations against China after Australia accused a Chinese warship of injuring one of its Navy divers off the coast of Japan. Celebrations are continuing in Argentina where libertarian economist Javier Millet was elected president on Sunday. And France claims to have conducted its first successful test firing of a long-range ballistic missile designed to be launched from nuclear submarines. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 
365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, uh, we're on the way towards the top of the hour here. This is TNT Radio dot live. I'm Rick Munn, Natalie, Natalie Cooper, <laughs> Natalie Chill, <laughs> not Natalie Cooper. Natalie Chill is with me. She's not some hybrid between Natalie Chill and Gemma Cooper. No, this is the one and only Natalie Chill. I uh, have plenty more to discuss before the top of the hour. Uh, Ireland, uh, we talked in the earliest part of the show there about uh, control, governmental control. Well, now Ireland want to uh, put a watershed on alcohol ads uh, to stop the corruption of children. Uh, this is uh, just breaking news here this morning that uh, alcohol ads are to be banned from TV and radio before 9 p.m. from January of 2025 here in Ireland. Uh, on World Children's Day, uh, Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly signed the commencement order for restrictions, including the alcohol broadcast ban. A broadcast watershed will be in place from 9 p.m. Meanwhile, the watershed on radio will also apply. So there's also a watershed for um, uh, advertising alcohol on Irish radio. These changes will come into effect from January the 10th, 2025. And this is the key here, Natalie. This is the key talking point. The measure will help to reduce the level of exposure of children to alcohol promotion as it is known to be a key driver in initiating alcohol use by children and increasing use. Now, I want to start off by asking you a question. Okay, uh, usually people are exposed to alcohol, children exposed to alcohol. Maybe they've seen their parents drinking. Maybe they've been taken to a pub when they've been kids, or maybe they just hang around with their friends and they feel like experimenting with a new thing, which is alcohol. Have you been led astray by alcohol advertising or was it more a result of the environment that you were hanging out in maybe the people that you were running around with you didn't see an ad one day for Smirnoff or some other type of alcoholic beverage on TV and say I must get myself to an off-license ASAP and try this uh, clear liquid there or did someone just hand you a bottle of cider and say hey Nat try that it'll get you off your head uh, what was your indoctrination into alcohol consumption was it advertising or was it your company? Absolutely nothing to do with advertising whatsoever. This is a just another uh, big bunch of virtue signaling by uh, the Irish government. Um, most people uh, drink alcohol, number one, because it's a culture. You know, like in British culture, uh, they everyone sees their parents drink it. It's, it's on social media. It's a meme. It's drinking. King is is considered normal. You're a weirdo if you don't drink. If I don't go out and drink, I now get asked, oh, do you have a problem? Are you on antibiotics? What's the reason you're not drinking anymore? You know, it, you're deemed not normal if you don't drink. So advertising isn't a part of it. And, you know, people have got to remember, alcohol is an actual drug. It reminds me of the uh, man from South Park when he says drugs are bad, okay? You know, that alcohol is a drug. Um, and, and what difference does it make? You know, people still go buy cigarettes and they've got those vile pictures of destroyed lungs. You think... 
is going to make any difference to children. It's, it's getting to the root of the problem. The first time I drank, I had a difficult childhood. I picked up a bottle of Jack Daniels and blacked out the first time I had it. It was like, whoa, look at this escapism. I can be not in my head for a little while. So yeah, do I think it's going to make any difference? No, but what makes it even worse is the hypocrisy. Listen to this. So the slow place uh, pace of implementation of the PHAA is in stark contrast to the speed in which the government is seeking to increase the availability of alcohol through proposals in the sale of alcohol bill to extend licensing hours and venues. So instead of trying to say, oh, we're, we're trying to look after people and make them drink less. Oh, no, they're trying to extend the hours and sell more alcohol while virtue signaling with adverts or others a reduction for children. So it's just a load of rubbish uh, that they want the tax on the alcohol. And uh, I don't believe for a second they've uh, got our best interests or the children's at heart, Rick. Yeah, they, they, they're using this. They're throwing this as a virtue signaling bone to appease people that maybe that are campaigning to have alcohol banned altogether, uh, which, of course, some factions do want to do. I believe in everything in moderation. I don't drink myself. Haven't done for a long time. That's just a personal choice. But if somebody wants to go out there and have a skinful and do whatever they want to do, then that's their personal choice as well. But this whole business of using children uh, as an excuse to cut down more on advertising doesn't really wash with me. And as you say, are we not programmed in society now that you almost have to find out an excuse why you're not on the sauce? If all your mates say, hey, what's wrong with you? You're not drinking. You're not staggering around. You're not vomiting on yourself. You're not urinating in the street. You're not waking up with a thumping headache. You're not waking up broke after spending 200 quid on a night out. Is there something wrong with you, Nat? No. Let me turn it the other way around. You know, when I used to be asked, Rick, why don't you drink? I said, I have a horrible allergic reaction to alcohol. And they said, what is it? I said, well, firstly, uh, my head starts to go light. I lose my balance. Then I start slurring my speech. Then I come out with stupid comments. Then I get aggressive. And then I might get slapped in the head and get cut. Then I might puke all over myself. And then I wake up in some gutter the next morning with no uh, money in my pocket and maybe no shoes in my feet. So yeah, it's an alcoholic allergic reaction. That must be what it is. So therefore, uh, I stay well away from it. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor there, of course, but you've got to find that balancing point for yourself. And as you rightly said, Natalie, nobody, uh, no advertiser was responsible for you um, uh, touching alcohol in the first place, as I'm sure is the case with most people out there. If that's different, leave us your experiences in the live chat. Did you get introduced to alcohol through advertising or was it simply your mates? No, absolutely. And and the other thing is, I mean, what once you're introduced to it, the advertising makes no difference anyway. You know, if you if you like whiskey, do you think it makes any difference if you see if you see an advertisement for whiskey? And and and, and children are brought up uh tend to be rebellious. They want to do what their friends are doing. Um, they're not like, wow, look at that advert for Malibu. I must go out and drink one of those. That will make me really cool. Or do you think it's because it, what else? Uh, the other children are doing so you know I just see this as a, a, a virtue signal employ uh, by the government as, as per usual and I remember by the way asking this is uh, for the when I met Rick for the first time in Bath I uh, mm -hmm. said to him that exact question just asking you Rick what is an eat just drink curious. as I was having yeah just curious because I actually was having a nice big Aperol spritz cocktail at the time um, so I actually asked him so I'm one of those people because mm -hmm. I'm a I'm, I'm conditioned to believe, well, there must be a reason you don't drink. You're everyone's supposed to drink. That's the main part of the problem.
It, it is. It is. And like I said, uh, each to their own. Uh, so we're in a free society. We're uh, free thinking human beings. We should be allowed to indulge in what we want to indulge in. Whether you agree with that or not, it's called uh, having freedom and having liberty. However, uh, there is a mass campaign on where now it almost is a social norm that people are conditioned that if you don't drink, there is either something wrong with you or it's like you scratch your head saying, what's wrong with that person? I think as well, Natalie, maybe what should be done is there needs to be more alcoholic awareness uh, campaign maybe in schools where they show kids not graphic videos but they say listen uh, you could be uh, tempted to do this you could be doing it before you're of the legal age which is in the UK is 18 I think it's 21 in America uh, and if you get involved in underage drinking these are what some of the consequences could be I think that would be a much better deterrent for excessive alcohol consumption among children than simply banning uh, ads for alcohol after uh, 8 or 9pm like what kid what kid goes to bed at 9 p.m. these days anyway? Look, as my, in my experience, as someone that's attended uh, kind of AA-type meetings, um, as someone who's been a regular down the pubs for years and years and years, uh, alcohol normally comes from unhappiness and uh, most people use it to escape. So if we get to the root of the problem, which is actually make children's lives happy um, and uh, come from a loving and a secure background, then actually, uh, without very much dysfunction, Actually, people don't don't need or feel the need to go out and get, you know, blacked out drunk. And uh, most of the people still who are alcoholics down the pub is because they're very unhappy in their lives. So it's always, as I keep saying, if we can get to the root of the problem, then uh, alcohol and alcoholism wouldn't be the issue. Yeah, agreed. There's always a root and we need to get to the root instead of simply cutting the head off the weed. Yeah. And that's weed as in a plant in your garden, not weed as in weed if you understand what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. But anyway, uh, let's move on to another uh, story here. Uh, the richest 1% of the world's population uh, emit as much carbon dioxide as the poorest two-thirds of the planet in a new report out by Oxfam. So this is something uh, that's simply confirming what we've believed all along. Uh, the people that are preaching the loudest are pontificating the loudest about polluting and destroying the planet are actually the ones uh, pound for pound that are polluting it way above what everybody else is doing. People that maybe can't afford to travel very far or maybe take a package holiday once a year, once every two years. The super rich have been accused of plundering the planet while the poor pay the price after a report from Oxfam highlighted the gap between the carbon footprints of the millionaires and the rest of the world. Well, this is no surprise, but the question is, uh, what are they doing about it? Uh, what are these millionaires doing about it? Or what are they doing to stop these millionaires from destroying the planet, when in reality, they're contributing much more towards the destruction, alleged destruction, than we are? Yeah, and uh, I've got some facts here from the article. Carbon emission of the richest 1% soared to 16% of the world's total in 2019, which is the same amount produced by the poorest, poorest 5 billion people. Um, it would take uh, 1,500 years for someone in the bottom 99% to produce as much carbon as the richest billionaires do in a year. This is fundamentally wrong. Um, and uh, there was a meme that I uh, saw this morning. I thought it was it says there is nothing more offensive than billionaires flying private jets to a remote Swiss village, dining on Wagyu fillets and the world's finest wines, and then telling you to turn your thermostat down, stay within twenty miles of your home, and eat insects for dinners. And that uh, that is that is the point that they are the ones we're we're the ones being lectured about what we need to do for the climate. Yet the real people, if climate change and net zero really existed 
they are the ones that are actually doing the damage, not the poor. Yeah. And even yesterday, there was a documentary we highlighted, or that was highlighted on the show here, where a BBC reporter had racked up 20,000 miles simply making videos on climate change. So think about that for one minute. Did he really need to be traveling the world on a jet, uh, polluting the atmosphere, in their words, and uh, destroying the planet, in their words, and uh, to, to do what? To make a documentary explaining why we shouldn't be doing the same thing? Rank hypocrisy of the highest order uh, seems to be the order of the day with the Beeb and with these other government organizations. Now, we've got to take a short break, and when we come back, plenty more to discuss here. Please stay tuned. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Once again, I'm going to quote from my buddy Mark Marano's Climate Depot. This is just unbelievable what I see going on at this summit between Biden and the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, the most alarming thing is that John Kerry was anywhere around that place. These two guys and their administrations have been bullying the United States of America over a problem that even if it existed, we have very little to do with it. Australia, UK, you have nothing to do with it. Canada, you have nothing to do with it. Seriously, if you look at the amount of CO2 you put in the air compared to total CO2, it truncates to zero. Now, who is the biggest polluter, if you want to call CO2 pollutant? It's China. So expert raise alarm after Biden strikes climate agreement with China to shut down fossil fuels. What, what kind of insanity is this? China thumbs their nose and laughs at the rest of the world. And guess what? It's our fault they do it. You know why? They know darn well that this is not a big disaster. They know darn well they have to push forward their population. I mean, I realize China's in bad shape as far as freedoms go, but they are trying to work in their own whatever manner to try to create more freedoms and more prosperity for China. So of course they're going to sit there and try to stop the United States. And these guys just walk right into it. It's disgusting. Americans are letting a guy and his buddy John Kerry bully them over a situation they have precious little to do with. Let me read you the facts. CO2 is 0.042% of the atmosphere. Man is responsible for 3 to 5% of that. The United States is responsible for 10% of that total. Australia, Canada, the UK, about 1%. Essentially, it's nothing. Much ado about nothing. A weaponized weather in a phony climate war. It's unbelievable. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. I need to go get my rabies shots. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles, and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. 
The conversation continues with Rick Munn and Natalie Cheel on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, we are zooming, zoom, zoom, zooming through the show here this morning on Tuesday, the 21st of November, 2023. This is TNT Radio. Listen in on the website, tntradio.live, or check out the live stream that will be there on the website or through YouTube or Facebook or any of the other major streaming platforms. And of course, leave your thoughts, ideas, comments, suggestions on our live chat, tntradio.live, or... Lastly, you can send us an email. There's a contact form on the website. Uh, if you feel really late to do so, you can send Natalie or an, an email with a suggestion, a comment, a question, a criticism, whatever you like, and we will do our level best to read that. And maybe even if you're really lucky, we might even respond to it. Yes, if we get the time to do that. But all comments and criticisms and feedback is extremely welcome. Now, we have another story here to cover. Uh, another one here uh, from uh, Ireland. Farmers Alliance Ireland has called for lab-grown meat to be banned in Ireland, the same as has happened in Italy. So uh, farm lab-grown meat, I do not know or believe for one second that people would actually choose to have that over real meat. And even if you say it's a vegetarian option, you know, like they have this corn, this stuff called corn, corn burgers, corn sausages. It's some, I don't even know what's in that stuff. Listen, if you're going to be a vegetarian, just be a vegetarian. Don't try and eat meat. There are vegetables dressed up as meat. It doesn't really work out very well. And now we have uh, lab-grown meat. There's a call for a ban of that here in Ireland over good old-fashioned Irish farm reared beef. Natalie, Will this thing actually get off the ground? I mean, we've talked about so many things over the last year that never came to the table. We talked about smart highways. We talked about U-turns that were done on this and U-turns that were done on that. Is this just to really aggravate farmers? Is this just to hack off meat lovers and carnivores out there? Will we ever see supermarkets full? And I mean, full of lab-grown meat as an uh, alternative to good old-fashioned British beef or Irish beef. What do you think? I just can't see it. I think um, it's one of those things, um, you know, people and men particularly love their meat, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, same with the cars thing. COVID worked uh, and worked quickly because people were scared. Many people are scared of death anyway, and and they did genuinely make people scared um, of, of being ill and dying. But cows farting which is essentially when you think about it they're trying to tell us that the the world might end in hundreds of years no not because of an explosion not because of a tsunami you know the real problem in the world is that there are too many cows farting Mm -hmm. and you need to change what you're gonna eat rick right now because of the cow's flatulence i it just i just can't see people buying it um and and it's not in fear of their life you know, people uh, are quite selfish, really, that, you know, inherently within themselves, they like to think about themselves and their own lives. And there's one thing changing and wearing a mask because you think you might die imminently. There's another thing uh, changing uh, all your eating habits and what you enjoy because of cows farting and people might die in hundreds of hundreds of years. I just think people aren't going to buy it. I think the Farmers Alliance have got a point here uh, from Ireland. Um, and it, to, to date, it says uh, cultivated lab-grown meat has only been approved for human consumption in Singapore and the United States. The EU has not yet approved this substance categorized is as a novel food so it's still not been approved but it's 
to push it by the public how many blokes do you know are going to be happy you know you know people say like in the uk meat and two veg there you go here's your vegetables and here's some piece of like skanky type plastic you know trying to cut into it no i can't see many men being happy with that dished up on the table after doing a manual job uh, no and and uh, and this whole business of cow flatulence being the driver behind this, you know, I don't have the figures here, but uh, I would say that I have been disgusted more by human flatulence than any amount of cows out there. If you've ever worked in an office or, you know, you get all humans together or kids in particular, I would say they outfart even the biggest of cows out there. So what are we going to do? Ban ban kids from now on or ban adults or ban people that have been eating baked beans for the week <laughs> all under the guise of that global protection? Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that'll be the next thing. <clears throat> they want to ban Heinz baked beans next, you know, following along the flatulence rate. But the way that they actually work here is the meat is created by taking animal cells. So they actually take cows cells and grow them in lab conditions. It's been healed by some environmentalists as a way to reduce carbon emissions, simply by uh, reducing the need for large numbers of farmed livestock, which emanate methane in their flatulence. And listen, most beef cows are kept outdoors, at least the area that I live in all around me. There's a lot of fields. There's a lot of beef herds around here. There's a lot of dairy herds around here. They all roam in the fields. And if they do let one off in the fields, it goes straight into the atmosphere. It dissipates almost immediately. It's not like it's being done in a closed environment. And there's a lot of people running around and damn it. It does not affect the temperature of the world. What comes out of a cow's ass? You know, what's affecting the world most here is crazy politicians who are destroying people's lives, their mental health, their finances, their families, their economies, and entire nations. That's what's destroying the world out there. Not some cow out grazing in the field, doing his business. And you know what? One day he'll end up on your plate, which is sad for some people that get hard to take in. But damn it, they taste good. And I shall never, ever a veal of lab-grown meat as long as I live. I would rather go uh, full-on vegetarian and not saying something. Right. For anyone that's ever tried, by the way, to go on a veggie or a um, vegan diet, you have to eat a lot of beans and a lot of vegetables. Mm -hmm. I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, right? I think mm-hmm. it's the vegans and the vegetarians that are giving out the most flatulence in the world. Yeah. So um, if if that was the genuine problem, right, I think those are the ones that need to go. There's nothing wrong with uh, yeah, eating, <laughs> eating a no. sausage and a piece of meat. I like a good steak no. um, and no. I eat them rare as well. Um, none of this well done malarkey that uh the disgusting uh way that people eat steaks so now i'm gonna carry on eating meat and uh you know not worrying about the cows and the and, you know, and their farts you say about uh, eating steak rare just out of curiosity the one thing that puts me off rare steak it's not the fact that it's blood and uh, you know it's almost raw it's the fact that it's cold, you know, in the middle, because if you heat a steak rare or you cook a steak rare by default, uh, it's going to be cold in the middle. I like the steak to be hot. I like a, a, a medium uh, cooked steak now. Used to veer well, more onto the well done before I uh, oh, realized no. I was destroying the meat. Yeah, but I've, I've backed it off to medium now. I like it to be warm all the way throughout. But interestingly enough, we might actually find that could be another assault on our liberties where you could maybe go into a restaurant and say, well, listen, there's a high chance that if you don't cook the steak, thoroughly uh, there could be bacteria in there not like they could destroy your body could destroy your gut so therefore sorry 
rare steaks are no longer in the menu. Watch and see. There may be a push uh, over the next 12 months to ban uh, rare foods or even sushi for that matter, uncooked food, because they'll say it's not good for you and somehow they'll factor in it's not good. Right. I, 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 if, if they start banning rare steaks, that that's me. That, that'll that be me banging on politicians' doors. I'm not having it. That's it. That's my treat. I like going to a steak restaurant. I actually prefer a rump steak, uh, which is one of the cheaper yes. ones, but always yes. rare. And uh, I got told the other day as well that I was I put a picture up on X. I was eating uh, uh, mussels um, and apparently they're really bad for you. I got told that uh, eating any shellfish, they're bottom feeders and they're full of toxins and I should stop that. So basically everything that I enjoy is bad for me. So yeah. I'm uh, I'm just unhealthy by nature. But there you go. But it's freedom of choice and I'm going to do what I like. Uh, very good uh, top tip there. I want to re re-emphasize it in case anybody out there in the chat missed it. If you're ever out for a meal, don't go for the fillet steak, which is exorbitantly priced. Don't go for the sirloin steak, which has this huge runner of fat down the back of it, or even the ribeye, the best cut of meat, in my humble opinion as well, and any good butcher will tell you the same, is chump steak or rump steak, one of the two. Uh, it's about half the price of sirloin, tastes equally as good, and it is absolutely delicious. So save yourself a few quid when you're going out for a meal or even at your local butcher's. Forgo the sirloin and the fillet and go for a good cut of rump or chump steak, uh, it will go a lot longer. You can actually buy two usually for the price of one sirloin steak as well. So you're getting even more protein into your body in that case. So uh, one last one, uh, maybe to round things off here this morning. Uh, yeah, well, actually, we could, we, I'm going I'm, I'm to talk to Darren in the next hour, and he wants to have a rant about Rishi Sunak. So we'll park this up one here for now. Uh, but uh, there's a story here as well. Uh, paid £30,000 to protect my child from her paedophile dad. Just very briefly, a husband is in prison for child sexual abuse, uh, but he still has parental rights to see their child by law. And the mother is fighting this one in court. Hard to believe uh, that this is happening, but you know, or or is it in this clown world in which we live? Yeah, I wanted to point out the main facts from this article because some people don't know. So this is why she's had to pay £30,000 in legal fees, but she has won her case. So he's uh, behind bars for serious child sex offences. But the rights of the parents are absolute in law and can only be managed through court order, explains um, uh, one of the barristers. Um, even if somebody in is in prison for very serious paedophile offences, they still retain parental responsibility. Um, and so um, what this lady is now trying to do is get it changed by law. So if a parent uh, gets in prison for serious uh, child sex offences, they lose their rights for parental responsibility. You would think that would just be done by normal. But no, he could have got out and had full parental responsibility and uh, 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 visitation and everything. But she said it was £30,000 well spent. The judge has agreed. And when he comes out now, he um, is not allowed any access unless uh, the child chooses till they're 18. So um, a good uh, end to the story, but not when you have to pay £30,000 uh, to do that. That should have been done anyway, Rick. Yeah, it's. I'm glad there was a win here in the case of the mother and, of course, for the child as well, that this uh, abusing monster is not allowed anywhere near her, even though it's her uh, father. And that's a very loose term, by the way. You know, anybody can, uh, you know, produce a child, but it takes a real man to be a father. It takes a real woman to be a mother to a child. So I wouldn't even classify him as a father. But 
technically speaking, he is. But the fact that this is actually the law, Natalie, I didn't realize that this was the law. And yes, the fact that this woman actually had to pay 30 grand to keep this monster away from her daughter. And of course, she's going to be out of pocket and all the stress that that would have put her and the child under for the duration of this court case and maybe waiting to see what the outcome was. Uh, it doesn't seem right uh, that this is happening. Her parents uh, had to remortgage the house. And she said um, if she hadn't have had her parents, um, there was nothing she could do. And when he he would come out he would be able to come straight over and visit their child so uh she just said she just uh kind of thanks god that 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 she was able to get that money um and she said it's money well spent uh for peace of mind uh for her child growing up and i would absolutely do the same in that if i was in that situation you'd do anything for your child to protect them um and these and this person yep. it wasn't a few offenses they were very very serious well, it's a win anyway, uh, even though it was a convoluted one, and uh, at least that child has a little bit of peace of mind now, as does the mother, knowing the abuser won't be anywhere near the child. So, good one to wrap up with today. So, huge thanks to you, Natalie, as always, for your input this morning. I uh, hope you have a wonderful day, whatever you're going to be doing out in Reading. I will be back after the news with Gemma Cooper and also the one and only Darren Denslow shall be making his return back to TNT Towers. No doubt it will be an action-packed show, so please stay tuned for Locked and Loaded with Rick Bunn here on TNT Radio. We'll be back after the news to go away.